podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is in his um, Soho House style office. Hi, Josh. Evening, Boyd. Another Sunday night edition. I know. I know. What night? We're recording this at 21.49 hours on a night when, so far... The Doctor in Doctor Who was regenerated into, spoiler alert, David Tennant. Not the one after, the Doctor, the doctor after Shooty Gatwell, although he did see a trailer for um, the next series of Doctor Who that won't be arriving until November 2023, in which Shooty Gatwell appears. Not only has that happened tonight, Josh, but Boris Johnson has officially pulled out of the race to be Conservative Party leader as well. I mean, you might say... Thank fuck for that. I don't know. Um, but I don't know if Rishi Sunak's going to be much, much better. I'm just holding forth here. And uh, Tottenham lost, second time in a row, rather joyously, which rather put into perspective our slightly disappointing one-all draw against Southampton today, which has um, uh, ruined our spectacular achievement so far. We were going to get like 10 wins in the first, however, 11 games, but instead we've got like, Nine wins in our first 11 games. That's not bad, though. Let's face it. And we have a wonderful guest in the shape of Jim East Lower, as he's known on Twitter. Hello, Jim. Good evening. Yes, entertainment, politics and football. Yeah. yeah, I thought I'd cover all the bases. Um, <laughs> just emphasising that it's a historic night. And as you you yourself tweeted, your tweet in response to the Southampton um, uh, one was... Our first draw since January, I'll say that again, our first draw since January, isn't that a bit mad? Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think there's probably people that have been studying it in more detail than me. Maybe maybe draws are becoming less prevalent in football generally, but certainly for us, to to not have had one since Burnley nil-nil, 23rd of January, feels insane. So, um, and but I have have to say that, you know, it probably has been coming a bit, so performances are slightly tailed off and, uh, but it is a bit mad that you, yeah, yeah that, that's the first one for that long. Really odd. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Yeah, um, Josh, um, I I'm sure you watched the game like I did on the uh, on the TV. Uh, unless you went, you didn't go. You didn't make it back from Southampton this quickly, I assume. No. Um, no. Um, and but I can I just point out Southampton's not that far away? As you pointed out, it's ten to ten in the evening. The game yeah. ended up. Yeah, Four so, o'clock. I, I could have made yeah. it quite comfortably, I'd yeah. suggest. Yeah, it was a valid question, exactly, yeah. Um, but what struck me, well, a couple of things struck me. Um, one is we looked apps, we looked quite a few players looked knackered in the second half. Um, and the it was a real game of two halves in that sense. And as we looked complete, we started out as as fresh and as zingy, to use a technical term, as we have this season, I thought, early on. Um, and then kind of got the fairly early goal 
And then in the second half, it just weirdly kind of fell away and Southampton just seemed much more um, on it. And we and certain players seem tired. And I wonder whether this is we should stop thinking about not worrying about too much because we're still in this fantastic position, obviously. But to start thinking about the fact that he not, doesn't rotate very much, does he, Arteta? And you know, even still playing a lot of the a lot of our first team players in the Europa League. Saka, of course, yet again played in both games this week. Three every single game he plays. Um, and whether you're at all concerned, do you think is it a topic of concern that a matter of concern that he keeps playing the same players week in, week out, and maybe they're looking a bit tired? I'm not overly concerned right now. I think we should have killed the game off in the first half today. We had plenty of opportunities and you know a bit more luck or accurate finishing in. We are two, three goals up at half time. And I think despite Southampton being a lot better second half and Arsenal not being at the level they were, we we probably should have um, you know, done enough to to kill the game today. There's something to be said with the consistency we're getting from the levels of performance. And whilst it was working and the team were winning, I guess he will feel vindicated. Um, and it wasn't like we were completely flat. I mean, we were probably better for large chunks of today than we were at Leeds, where had we taken a point away at Leeds last weekend and Bamford has scored his penalty, never mind the other opportunities they had, I don't think we could have complain so if we really sit back and assess maybe four points from Leeds away and Southampton away especially if you take a view that this season is really being in a top four race and we're a point better off against Tottenham and Liverpool as it were after they lost and we took a point this weekend yes of course City are you know two points closer um, but um, you know hand on heart there aren't that many of us, probably Arsenal fans, who really thought we're sort of in a title race, or still think we're in a good position in a in a title race. So, I don't think we should be too despondent. But it it will become an area of concern, I think, as the season goes by. If it, if he is asking these players to play, um, you know, with with the regularity that we've seen mm. thus far. But then again, you hope as the you know season goes on that. You know, a couple of the players that are out at the moment come back and, and hopefully there's more more depth in the squad. Mm. Jim, I mean, I think last season a lot of a lot of us thought, and not a lot of us, some people thought that one of the one of his one of Arteta's big biggest flaws was not re- rotating enough. But and then I think it it felt like equally like I felt that, you know, if he rotated more, he probably would have got criticism because the backup players weren't really good enough to um to be played that often now we've got better backup players but it still feels like he has a real first 11 in his mind that he's playing pretty much certainly in, in the in the premier league week in week out and then changes it half the team for the europa but do you worry that 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 you know he's going to make the same in in quotes mistake again and that rotation is is reluctant he kind of sticks with the same players doesn't he he does. He, yeah, he does. Although he, although he's changed things around, obviously Ben White at right back, we wouldn't have foreseen that beginning of the season. And similarly, Tomiyasu left back two consecutive games, um, which I, you know, which again, I don't think anyone really probably would have foreseen. Um, so I, you know, it was quite interesting after Thursday when he when we was he was asked about Saka, and you know, Saka went, well, I was at the game on Thursday, and, and Saka came trudging over to take a corner, sort of one sock down his ankle, and he yeah. looked absolutely destroyed. Uh, and but afterwards, you're saying, look, that's just the you know the nature of the top flight. If you want to be a top player, you play 70 games. It felt a little bit, uh, I don't know, like 
maybe hopeful <laughs> because I, I think he will need a break at some point. Yeah. And I, I think the thing with Saka in particular is you, you probably find that Smithrow being out means he, you know, he probably, he and Martin only probably play a little bit more than they would otherwise have done. Um, so after the World Cup, perhaps that'll perhaps he'll get a little bit more of a break. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he, he is, you are a bit damned if you do and damned if you don't, because when, when you're why change your winning formula as well. But, um, but I totally agree like today and, and against Leeds and a little bit against um, PSV as well on Thursday, I thought that, you know, uh, we did look a bit leggy and not quite as sharp as um, at least not for long enough uh, as we have done. So I don't know. I, I feel, I sort of, you know, I feel, on the one hand, that yeah, you, yeah, you should have, you should change the rounds a bit more. But on the other hand, you think yeah, but then exactly as you said, if you did that, and then we we uh, we didn't, you know, we lost or something, then people would say you know, well, you shouldn't shouldn't have changed it around. So you are slightly damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. Uh, completely, because I was thinking like um, when he brought Eddie on, Eddie Nketiah on, and um, for Martinelli, I seem to remember. And I was thinking at that moment, I was thinking, well, fair enough. Martinelli looks a bit tired, but he's still the, a massive threat always. When he, I mean, he's slightly less. He had he had like a couple of really good runs, like Saka did in this game. Um, then he brings Eddie on, and, and um, Alan Smith said, and I, I always go on about Alan Smith's obsession with Eddie being like a brilliant finisher and like all this kind. Of, he kind of bigged him up a bit. But then I thought, imagine if he'd picked Eddie from the start instead of Martinelli. I mean, there would have been uproar, wouldn't there? People would have gone, I would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? So um, I do agree with you. It's I'm torn myself and he must be torn. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's like, if you have as good a backup team as City does, Man City does, then it's a no brainer. And you can you rotate as much, pretty much as much as you want, because you know, all those other players cost 30, 40, 50 million and are all pretty brilliant. Whereas, with the best one in the world, I still think Eddie, for just for one example, maybe slightly being slightly unfair to him, but I still think it's a good example. He would get nowhere near Man City's first team. Nowhere near it, would he, really? Whereas no. he's a big backup forward option for us, uh, Josh. Uh, oh, go on, Jim, yeah. No, 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 you go, Josh. No, no, I'm just you saying, you I'll jump start. in, Jim, and I'll come after you. No, sorry, sorry. I, I, the, I think our real strength in depth is probably at the back. So, you know, sort of mm. Tierney. Tierney could easily slot in. Tommy Asu could slot in instead of Ben White. Ben White could slot in instead of any of the other centre-halves. But you're right. I think, you know, Nketiah, and I think he's an exciting young player. You wouldn't start him again ahead of Jesus, really. Because um, Jesus offers so much more, and similarly on the wings, it doesn't really feel like the perfect fit for replacing um, Martinelli or um, so, yeah, I, I think we have, uh, and, and similarly look longer in the center, you know, you, you play him, but maybe you wouldn't play him in your big games when you've got Shaka and party. So I, I think we are, we do have a better squad. Um, there's no doubt about it, but perhaps a little bit less um, of a like to like replacements um, in the middle and up front as we do at the back. Party in particular as well, Josh, I thought um, in the game today was fantastic in the first half and controlled the game as he as he so often does from midfield. But then visibly, I thought, wilted in the second half. Um, and someone on Twitter, I, can't, I meant to make a note, I can't remember who said, he's always looks pretty knackered after 60 minutes. Um, and look, you can't necessarily tell from looking at a player, can you? How tired they really are. It might just be he's sweatier and more gets more bedraggled, you know, as as a player as look look as the look of him than you know actually he is tired. But he's just one example, I think, of we really really rely on him to, to put so much effort in, and then it's only natural that he gets a bit tired as the game wears on. Yeah, and he's also um, not one of the players in a position on the pitch should take off, even with these five substitutes, you know, played 90 minutes today, yeah. played 90 minutes at Leeds, he played 90 minutes 
um, against Liverpool at home. So, you know, whereas obviously the, the attacking players are slightly more interchangeable with options on the bench or the fullbacks certainly have been in, you know, what Arteta's been doing. There is, you know, that, you know, responsibility of, of him, as it were, to see out the game. And yeah, particularly towards the end, his distribution was was going and he was, you know, giving, giving the ball away in, in moments and areas of the pitch where you wouldn't expect that of him. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be just fascinating sort of how, how the players are, are managed going into the, um, you know, these few weeks ahead of the World Cup where, you know, it's, it's possibly fair to imagine and we've seen it again with, with sort of a player like Varane, you know, the fear of, of going in and, and missing a World Cup, um, what it means. And he's in that bracket, you know, he'll, he'll be going this huge, he's a huge name for Ghana going out to the World Cup. Um, and you suspect that he, uh, yeah, he might want a bit more of a break than he's than he's getting at the moment. But, you know, there's no question his influence on the team this season has been, you know, that's the first drop points party's been part of this season, isn't it, today? Yeah, 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 true. And Jimmy, I mean, on the plus side, it was an, a Xhaka had another fantastic game. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw his interview. He did a few interviews, actually, at the weekend. He was like the, the, the interview man for Arsenal. Uh, but on he was on Football Focus, wasn't it? I thought that was a really interesting change. He was great again today, I thought, and scored the goal. Brilliantly took the goal. Fantastic. Um, but the, And that interview was so interesting because he kind of said he came really, really, really close to leaving Arsenal um, and pretty much seemed to have his bags packed, is what he said. Um, and then Arteta persuaded him to stay. But just his telling of the story of how down he was after that famous game where we all ended up, not, well, I didn't, I never boo any players, but where Arsenal fans booed him and all that. It was quite, it's 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 another fascinating rung on the ladder. Oh my God, this is going to be a terrible analogy of his uh, of his career and of his season so far, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I saw the trailer for that and I meant to watch it and I couldn't in the end, but um, for the whole thing. But yeah, he, 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 um, um, he said it, I think, elsewhere. Like you say, he's done a few interviews recently. And uh, yeah, the, the fact that um, even now he said that when people are singing his name and clapping him and he's like, he, you know, he can't get a, He still sort of thinks from time to time he can't stop seeing the faces of people that were sort of abusing him. And it must be difficult, you know, but, um, uh, you know, to, to sort of get that kind of weird, um, well, you get this sort of vitriol on the one hand and then the, the sort of the massive praise on the other. But um, he totally deserves where he is now and it is a bit of a redemption story. Um, and I'm not surprised he came close to leaving. I'm surprised he didn't leave, to be honest, yeah, because, yeah. Uh, you know, he he wasn't very popular. It's only really this season where where it's been this massive turnaround. Um, but um, I'm glad he did. He's, he's the intro. He, we, it's always been said about him that for all of the fans sort of, you know, not being completely convinced by him. Every single manager, certainly at Arsenal, who's um, has always picked him pretty much um, every time. So you know, they know, you know, they know better than we do. But um, I'm really, really pleased for him. Today's goal is one of those ones you'd love to see. Just not, no keeper in the world is ever stopping something that powerful, and it was lovely. But yeah, you know, I'm glad he stayed. Um, he's obviously a very emotional guy. I'm glad he stayed. You know, he could have done things differently too. But um, thank God he's playing the way he's playing. He's um, pretty much the first on the on the team sheet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Josh, Odegaard um, missed a really good chance, I thought, which could have sealed the game. And my one, I've got slight criticism of him. I, I mean, he's been one of our players of the season, don't get me wrong. I'm, def- I'm not going, it, it's it's a Dan Baldwin who, of our, in our WhatsApp group, 
formerly regular contributor to this podcast who who um, is hypercritical of him. But he's had a brilliant season. But he does need to score more goals, doesn't he? That is that is one flaw I feel in his in his performances. And he had the best chance, pretty much, I think, after we went one 0 up to um, to seal the game and didn't. Am I being slightly unfair on him? No, I, th- I think you're fair. Um, if you'd have said to us, who do we expect to have scored more goals at this stage, you know, Granite Xhaka or Odegaard, you'd have you'd have had a very few in the uh, Granite Xhaka camp. But um, yeah, I mean, he did. He got he got the brace, didn't he, against Bournemouth early in the season, and then got one in the next game against Fulham, but ha- hasn't scored in in the league since. Um, yeah, a player of his quality, you, you would like to see scoring more goals. I did think he was he was actually very good in that first half. There was one absolutely delicious scooped pass to um, Gabriel Jesus, and and that could have easily led led to a goal. Talking about the World Cup and you know what's happening, everyone's talking about you know Haaland having a, a month off and, and what that means. So too Odegaard, and uh, and that really you know could be good news. I did see Arsenal uh, heading to Dubai, and there's, there's talk of at least a couple of friendlies. It sounds like we're going to play against AC Milan, and we're, we're looking for another opponents and how the clubs manage to keep these players ticking over. But it's got to be good news for, for Odegaard that he won't, you know, won't have quite the intense schedule that so many other players are uh, are going to have. But again, you know, he he is, you know, he missed he missed the game at, uh, at Brentford. But other than that, he has started every game for Arsenal. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm not sure there is another outfield player um you know, in that in that midfield, or um, who has you know, started twelve of, of the thirteen, it certainly feels that he's, he's been pretty much ever present um, in the league this season. And uh, yeah, I think most people are, are probably not of the Dan Baldwin opinion at the moment. But we must get him back. You must uh, lobby him for a return yeah. to the podcast. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's, he's busy travelling the world with um, various top TV types. So uh, yeah. well, uh, yeah, he's we'll a yeah, he's a hungry he's, bear. He's exactly <laughs> indeed. Bear-based uh, production companies, all the rage. Um, Jim, what well, ask about the Man City, but because I was gonna, I was thinking about um, uh, Jesus, who missed. He had a kind of he had a couple of brilliant dribbles. By the way, do you see the stat that we have the most? We're the most dribbly team in the Premier League. We have the most dribbles of any team in the league, which isn't a surprise because when you've got like the Bucks and Martinelli and Saka and Jesus all dribbling around for joy, but <laughs> Jesus. Um, didn't score, hasn't scored, I think it's five games in a row, he hasn't scored um, today, including yeah. today. Um, are we slightly concerned about that? I mean, he's been a brilliant breath of fresh air, but again, if I'm being hypercritical, is his finishing, slight, finishing slightly the reason why maybe Pep was happy to let him go to us? I think, I mean, I I, I think um, his main problem is that his surname doesn't rhyme with Cracker, because the last five scores have been Shaka, Shaka, Saka, Saka, Saka. <laughs> but... Um, no, he's he. Do you know? I I I. He probably doesn't score enough, but he's he's what well, you know. He's he does so much more than that. And you know, looking him again um, against PSV on Thursday, he just he was just outstanding in the second half. And and this, his energy and and his ability to get past his man is great. And um, I I think he does need to score some more goals. But um, but so does probably like you know, you're just saying with Erdegaard as well. Um, and he had some great chances, and then ordinarily, I think one of those would have gone in today. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a drought, but but at the same time, I think he offers us so much um, that just so much that brings the quality of the team up generally that I'm kind of willing to forgive him, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'd say same. same. Um, we need to talk about the referee, Josh, and in fact, um, 
quite a few people on my timeline have said, um, you know, is this is the referee's performance today bring up bring up the agenda again that Arsenal are pick, particularly picked upon by referees. He was absolutely terrible, I thought, generally today. Um, particularly, let, he let a lot of um, manhandling of Jesus go. J- Jesus was wrestled to the floor, I would say two or three times, and each time... The referee just seems to have decided from the start of the game that, that this was not a foul anymore. as the man handling a player to the floor. That no longer counts um, as a foul. And Jesus was particularly affected by that. And then there was the extraordinary booking of Bukayo Saka. Uh, what did you think? Well, the Saka one with her was probably the worst, wasn't it? Because yeah. it, pro- it, it looked like a foul, and if it wasn't a foul, there was enough contact for him to go down without question. Um, And if you're going to book a player for diving, usually they're absolutely certain. They've seen there's no contact. And usually you you also get the opposition players' reactions of looking like they've been cheated and the whole thing looks right. That never looks right at any point. And uh, yeah, one for the conspiracy theorists in the Arsenal fan base of feeling like (laughs) there is prejudice against... um, the club, yeah, there were there were a few, you know, uh, bad bad decisions uh, during the afternoon. I think gladly none that you know cost us a goal or you know either way, either in terms of one we should have scored or, or one that would have gone uh, against us. But um, well, some people yeah. actually, if you, I mean, some people say we should have got a couple of penalties, a couple of um, penalties. I don't, think, I, I don't know. Did you feel yeah. that any of them were particular, absolute clear cut on that on that side of things? I, I kind of agree with you, but that, that, I'm just reflecting the general gist. No, I know. I, yeah. I think there was, um, you know, uh, a couple of penalty shouts, but none where you thought that yeah. is an absolute stone wall. It's gone the wrong way. I think the decision that stuck with me from the game today was was Saka's booking. How dare anyone book uh, Bukayo? Um, yeah. Although, what did you think of your love child, uh, Theo Walcott's dive later in the game? I mean that was a dive, yeah. That was absolutely clear because he wasn't he wasn't touched at all, um, and he was going for the foul. And so yeah, he deserved. He didn't complain, I believe. He, he was like, okay, yeah, he kind of accepted the booking. But it was nice to see Theo back. He had one moment where I thought, oh, maybe he maybe he um, he had an opportunity to score, but um, thankfully it wasn't to be. Jim, what did you think? I mean, a few people. I don't know if you've been following the um, the Arsenal are victims of a conspiracy theory um, uh, <laughs> thing, but. Uh, a lot of people, and I'm not. I may, may, must make it quite clear that Alan Alger of this podcast regular does not go along with the conspiracy theory theory. He just thinks that there's some kind of that that, that uh, this is me paraphrasing that um, that Arsenal do get treated particularly poorly by referees. I think that's fair to reflect what he says for, for whatever reason, subconsciously, whatever they have, issue, they have an issue. Some of them have issues, but my feeling is. Today's referee was was terrible. Decision making, particularly on the Saka incident, and maybe we could have had a look at some of those penalty incidents. They seem to be like dismissed very quickly by VAR. But that doesn't mean that in the last few games, we, everyone forgets. In the last few games, we've had quite a few decisions. I would say go our way, roughly. Well, you know, I, so, I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of think also, you know how it is. It always used to be, and certainly probably still is with Shaka, where because his reputation precedes him, and he's the kind of player that always gets a yellow card ahead of pretty much seemingly any other player. And I do wonder whether, you know, for example, the the penalty we got against Liverpool, which was a penalty, but it was a bit soft. And I wonder whether, you know, referees they watch all these things, and I wonder whether they, you know, sort of go a bit the other way in in, in the following games, perhaps. But I don't know. I I don't believe in the conspiracy theory thing particularly. I just think. Our ref- referee standard is a little bit patchy in this country. 
Um, I imagine most fans uh, talk about exactly the same things going on. But um, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. No. Yeah, fair enough. Um, We should take a break. And when we come back from the break, um, I want to ask about um, the overall picture uh, uh, that we face, top of the league, um, and how we think it's going to go from now on. But we'll take a quick break first. And we're back from the break. Um, yes, as we've all said, I think, you know, on, on Sky's coverage, Jamie Redknapp, I think it was, said something like, you know, um, I mean, actually, it's a decent away point in a way, even though Southampton aren't doing very, that well. But, you know, they did well against Chelsea. And, you know, it's not it's by no means a disgrace, put it that way, to draw to draw this draw. And then you see Tottenham lose, etc. And we're still top of the league. So overall, Jim, would you rather, in a way that, isn't it quite? It's possibly quite good in a way that this game was a draw, and that it, and then it stopped any complacency in the team for a start. That might be one positive, and B, it might stop all of the pundits. All the pundits now are having these discussions about us, saying, "Well, you know, it was all those stats saying a team that has this good a start to the season almost almost always goes on to win the Premier League." You know, yeah. I for, I for one, I'm still deep down, deep down, worried that we can screw this all up somehow. You know, in after the World Cup and plum somehow get into some spiral of inconsistency. But uh, that's me being paranoid, possibly. Old, old habits die hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, um, complacency thing. I don't know about complacency. I, I think we've been really good at, at, at um, fighting our corner this year, and when things are going against us, let goal in. We. We we've been really good and, and very consistent in that, and so I'm not sure it's about complacency today at all. I think it was about just a poor performance, to be honest, a tired performance. Um, but yeah, it, I, I mean, I think this has been such an outrageously good season, and I don't think any Arsenal fan honestly thinks that we're going to go neck to neck with City all the way through till May. I mean, you know, City are just an absolute machine, and they have in in Haaland, you know, a, bit, a beast of a player, but. But, but the fact is, it's been outrageously good so far. And the fact we're here at all is sensational in my mind. Um, and and the, we're, we're miles ahead of you know, teams like Liverpool right now. You're right. You know, it's kind of built into our DNA that we worry it's all going to go crushingly. You know, it's going to go, come crashing down. But but I, I do think there's a little bit more resilience to us this year. And um, we, you know, we seem to have more belief in ourselves. And so whilst I don't think we'll last the pace, um, I, I, do, I don't think we're going to have a... Oh, it's famous last words, isn't it? I don't think we're going to have a major collapse. Yeah, Josie, because now it will be a complete embarrassment, won't it? I mean, for us not to finish in the top four, for example. Um, you know, right now we are, what, five points ahead of Spurs in third with a game in hand, two points ahead of City, same number of games. Newcastle are now fourth after their defeat of Tottenham today. Chelsea, Man U, similarly, like seven, eight points ahead. It's... We're still in a pretty fantastic position, um, but does do you have nagging, niggling, nagging doubts that that we could throw it all away, or has is the change so palpable, the improvement so palpable that we shouldn't be worrying about that? That like, I shouldn't be worrying about that. Look, I've just had another look. Now we're one, one to six, pretty much across the board in terms of the top four race. Um, you know, City, are, you know, absolute given. 
one to 200, forget it. We know where, where City are. We're then, you know, one to six, one to seven. You've got Liverpool, Chelsea, followed by Spurs, United, Newcastle. You know, there, there is obviously real competition, but the expectation, you know, from bookmakers is, is that Arsenal are huge favourites to to make it. And what are we? We can't sit here after a draw away at Southampton and start changing, you know, our minds. We can't no, no. sit here with one defeat and one draw after the start we, we've had and uh, and change our minds. So, no, I, I feel, yes, seen enough this season. It feels different. We've got a vastly uh, improved um momentum that we we haven't had in, in previous series there is uh, seasons there is the fear i guess about the injuries and you know the world cup but i don't see how we're any different in that regard to all our competitors at, at the top of the table and um yeah it would be a massive trope let's 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 not say it any other way if Arsenal yeah. went from this yeah. position leading the table um at this stage with nottingham forest at home next week you know and okay we've got to go to Chelsea and Wolves. We, may, we may very well not be top of the table by the time we, we get to the World Cup and yes Forrest beat Liverpool and Chelsea are finding a way to you know do a bit better under Potter and will Aubameyang score against us there, there are genuine fears we may not be top of the table as we go to the World Cup but sitting here right now Champions League nights are surely coming back to the Emirates next season Surely, and the one thing I have to say, actually, I agree with you broadly. I'm just always, I'm always going to have a, 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 a nagging doubt, but until we actually finish the season. But what's in, I did what I watched the on the Sky coverage today. Um, Jamie Jamie Redknapp and um, and Celes Ferdinand were talking after the after the Tottenham game about how um, jealous because Spurs fans booed them off. You know, I mean, they were complaining about a refereeing decision about the first goal, but they were they seem to be booing the team as well. Um, but what's joyous, Jim, and because no matter what happens for the rest of the season, it's clearly we've clearly established Arteta has clearly established a, a, a brilliant first team who have a, a fantastically attacking style of play. All that dribbling that, that I was talking about, all our all our creative players. He's got them playing in a fantastically effective way and they're a joy to watch. Meanwhile, at Tottenham, Conte is still being complaining. He was complaining in his post-match interview about, you know, needing more players, needing more backing. He could still, he looks like he could quit any minute now. Um, Tottenham fans have to put up with his, shall we say, extremely kind of um, often defensive mode of football. Pragmatic, you know, is the word, isn't it? And, and, when they, and yet they've lost two games in a week. I'm just saying all this, I guess, to underline. I feel like what's happening with them underlines what the for me the achievement of Arteta because Conte is a world class coach, obviously, and they've and they've had a lot of money. They've spent a lot of money on their squad as we have on our squad. Mm. But I agreed with what I, I like that conversation was very like comforting for me because it was showing that we're just doing things the right way. So even if things went spectacularly wrong, which I don't think they will, we're still the, the project still makes sense and it still feels like really creative and exciting and thrilling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think that kind of counter-attacking football that, that Spurs plays when it works very effective. And of course, no one's going to grumble when it's working, but um, perhaps doesn't suit the kind of style that many of them want um, when it's not working. And, and that's what well, you mentioned the dribbles earlier on. Um, 
I'm, I'm perfectly, completely willing to to um, forgive Erdegaard for not scoring so many goals. I just love watching him play. The, the, you know, the things he can do, and it's, it, that's got kind of Lundberg-esque ability to, to get players through uh, and to sort of second-guess where players are going to be. And, and I just love watching him play. And, and yes, you know, I think the goal, th- the goal thing is, is a string in his bow that he hasn't quite got yet. But he's a joy to watch, and and there's you know and, and the and the way we play is definitely um, helping the atmosphere in the ground with the with the with the um, with the fans and the and the team, and they feel it and we feel it. And I I haven't sat down. I don't think I sat down much last season. I haven't sat down once this whole season in the lower uh, north north bank lower, not once. And nobody around me does either. And it's it's all kind of feeding in because it's fun to watch. We love watching it. They're clearly working their socks off, uh, and it's and it's kind of clicking. Um, but it's yeah, it's a great place to be as a fan, and you know, I know it's only twelve games or something in. There's a long way to go, but um, it's fun, it's exciting. Oh yeah, completely, Josh. No, oh, it is, and even I thought going to the Europa League game against PSV last Thursday night, the PSV fans were, you know, very noisy and seemed to probably go overboard at the final whistle from what was seen after with you know, flair being thrown towards the Arsenal fans and, and various seats. But I did think the atmosphere for a group game Europa League was was pretty good as well. It was just sort of a reminder that you know, it's not just a North London derby where this sort of fan base is is getting behind the team. It was, you know, even a Thursday night with a six o'clock kickoff, you know, about as unappealing a kickoff time as as you can have really. Although I suspect there were more bean burgers sold for people being a bit hungry, boy. Did you did you spot anything in club level? Did you spot any of that? We, do you know what I had a funny uh funny should mention that because I my experience of that game was two two twofold kind of like um nightmares. One was the trip to that the problem with such a kickoff if you're working if you're if you have if, you know if you're working particularly in town and then and you have to get there by public transport is it, it clashes with the with the rush hour to go home. So you know, I'm getting the Piccadilly line. I've never seen, there was a nine minute wait for a tube. And I've never seen so many people trying to get, so many bodies trying to get onto one tube carriage as I experienced on that journey. It was insane. People were refusing to accept that you can only fit a certain number of people in a tube carriage. That was unbelievable. Then we got there, I had a lovely evening with Dermot, but you're right, we were both a bit hungry. And we, you had that stress of not of not really wanting to resort to the bean burger and the 14 pound bean burger and the queues being really long so we didn't eat in the end and we were very hungry but we had a lovely time uh, and you're right it was the the atmosphere for yeah for a europa game which is quite a dull game in many ways another one nil victory you know it wasn't exactly a thriller minute was it but it was a lovely atmosphere and that that is absolutely key completely to 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 how fantastic you were playing and again in sharp contrast to um our north london neighbors yeah, well, long, uh, long may it continue this uh, this this excitement uh, that you're having. I must say, I was also on the tube on Thursday night, going from uh, town on the Piccadilly line, and it was like sardines. Yeah, it, it was, was hell, uh, it was absolutely it? unbearable. Actually, yeah. you know, and also people, I think, thought oh, it was a cold night, big heavy jackets, oh, jumpers, people like sweating on yeah. the northern line, yeah. and then you get to Arsenal tube station, and you go through and squash, and uh, yeah, I was when when finally got our Arsenal tube into the into the fresh air. It was a, a, a enjoyable moment. Let's say, yeah, fuck those six o'clock kickoffs. Though. That's all. What's all? Stupid, all they? Totally well, stupid. hang on. Like... I mean. The Queen, hopefully, you know, I think that's done now. So, uh, you know, no more six o'clock kickoffs uh, being necessary in terms of the home games. I don't think we've got six o'clock home games scheduled. 
Right, yeah. But yeah, it's insane, isn't it, Jim? Um, yeah. We should also mention, by the way, quickly, um, uh, uh, we, we haven't got too much longer because we're, we're, it's a late night, we've all got things to do. But on top of the um, my summary at the beginning of this podcast, I'm sure people were fascinated to hear me banging on about Doctor Who and Boris Johnson. The other big moment was Tony Adams going through he wasn't even in the bottom two. He he his dance. I don't know if you. I don't know if you're following Strictly, Jim. You look like I watched fan. it. I watched it on. Um, I watched it the one on Saturday, but I haven't seen it. And the the, um, the result. On well, he 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 didn't get in bottom two. He breezed through. He's doing really well. Clearly, Arsenal fans come and and just people love him. But he his dance, his dance to the grandstand theme, was pretty terrible by by, mm. by all accounts. I'm no expert, but he got pretty. He was at the bottom of the leaderboard. Put it that way, I believe. Um, and yet didn't come anywhere near being sent out um, because he's doing really, really well. So, again, it's a heartwarming Mr. Arsenal, as Tony Adams yeah. is, he's doing brilliantly and he's loving it. And every, the, there's like clearly all the contestants love him. It's fantastic to see, isn't it, Josh? It's unbelievable. It's it, unbelievable. it is unbelievable. And I, and I think a lot of people are watching just for him. But he looks... Like he's really enjoying it, right? Yeah. Being part of the process, um, you know, there is an a reality, shall we say, that he won't be winning. Strictly come dancing, right? Is that a fair, boy? I'm not over. Um, yeah, he won't win, it. but he could. He he's the one. He could go really much. For, he, I think he's gonna. Well, I mean, he's already. It goes through Halloween week, which is next week's episode. I don't know if they're doing the black ball thing like they do every year this time, but he, he, yeah, I think he'll get to like the another. He'll be in there for another two or three weeks. Like, my, yeah, there's there's a, there's a couple that look like they'll go before, um, yeah. before him, but just the guy is an unbelievable legend of our football club. What he has done, post career sporting chance clinic, the amount of people even you've seen on social media putting out stories about what tony has sort of gone and done and, and volunteered on um is unbelievable and you know the hugest of uh credit to him for putting himself in the in the public eye going way out of his comfort zone i think a lot of people thought he's a week one possibly week two exit. no not me not me so to make it to minimum yeah. week four probably six seven as you say yeah amazing like i'm only and i wouldn't say i'm watching it as religiously as probably you are but i am you know watching all of his um, oh i'm only watching his and yeah. uh i'm only watching his mainly. i'm buzzing for him i'm buzzing yeah. well, I think captain it's just such legend. good entertainment it's just such yeah. good entertainment he's a great entertainer and that's really what telly is all about isn't it so he's obviously not the best dancer but he's um but you kind of tune in because you want to you want to see what you're going to do and he's got a big smile on his face it's good telly yeah, I want to. Boy, see are you which... going down to watch one? I know they're long, long, long recordings. Long How much record. you love Tony Adams? <laughs> it's a. I saw. Well, Lee Dixon was there, wasn't he? This week, did you see him? Lee, Lee was in the audience, yep. and I could see. I could. I know what it's like. I was there in the early days of Strictly, back in you know, I mean, it's been going for what, what I don't know, twenty years or whatever. Over the fuck long it's been going, it is an epic record. It's it's a proper like chunk out of your life. Um, so I might not necessarily go, um, but. I'm fascinated to see which Arsenal, uh, Arsenal ex Arsenal players go along to support Martin. Martin Keown, your your mate should be there soon, shouldn't he? Having a nice seven and a half hour um, adventure watching Strictly. Watching interesting, Tandy. interesting. I'm not yeah. sure if Martin's going. I'm sure if uh, if he can, I'm sure he would. I'm Here's sure a lot of the old Arsenal boys would. Here's my question for you: Before we we're running out of time, before we go on to predictions, is which other ex Arsenal player would you like to do Strictly? Maybe next year. You know, if you could pick one other Arsenal player. Uh, Jim, who would you go for? Bergkamp. 
Bergkamp. Just like, yeah, Bergkamp. I mean, if, you know, with foot, foot, footwork like that, surely he'd be good on the dance floor. Yeah. 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 Josh? Maybe Steve Morrow. Um, <laughs> I think he deserves the opportunity. Yeah. You know, yeah. if Tony's had a go and, you know, thrown David on the floor and, and taken that moment away from him, I feel that he should at least kind of follow Tony in, in Strictly. What odds on Steve Morrow being in the next Strictly, would you say? Um, pretty high odds, um, because I think, um, I don't think he's well-known enough. He's very well-known among Arsenal fans, um, but I think he's a bit, if you're going to get an ex-footballer, you need it at that Tony Adams level, really, I think, of recognition, name recognition. I think they should try and get... I don't. Is Freddie still, invo- still involved with the club? Is he? What does he do these days? Freddie no, Inver- no, not involved. I'd like to Doing see punditry Freddie. for CBS on the yeah, Europa League. I'd love to see Freddie don the um, sequined um, uh, uh, you know, jumpsuit or whatever, because um, he's still very hunky and, and handsome, Freddie, you know, and he could he, he would make a major impression, I think. <laughs> Josh's eyebrows are raised. Um more importantly, even than that, is uh, our predictions for the next. What have we got? We've got Thursday, Europa League, and a 5.45 kickoff, I believe. Um, PSV Eindhoven, the Arsenal, the return leg of the slightly dull uh, game last week. Jim, what do you reckon? I I, I don't know. I, I have a funny feeling that it could end up something like a draw, this one. I, I, was, I, I was a bit disappointed with PSV Eindhoven. I was expecting a bit more. Um, but it's away, and we're slightly faltering, and we're nearly kind of over the line with the in terms of what we want with the Europa League. So I'm going to go for a draw on that one. Uh, Josh, yeah, I, I think the same. I, I think possibly a one or draw. A draw, of course, would give Arsenal the top spot in in the group, which is important as we've discussed previously about avoiding the extra round um, in Dortmund. Obviously, if we do lose, it's still absolutely in Arsenal's hands going into the uh, into the final game. But I, I do think Arsenal um, have got enough to um, get a point and uh, yeah, have a completely free hit with nothing to worry about for match day six. So one all for me. What do you think, Boyd? I'm going to go for nil-nil because that, I thought that game, the home game against them, had, had a nil-nil quality to it for quite a long period of time. So I think it might be a, a stalemate. Um, but yeah, but that'll be fine when it we can we can top the group and there may be rest players, actually rest players, more players for the final games in the group. And then we've got Nottingham Forest at home on Sunday at two o'clock, Josh. Yeah, two o'clock. Um, so plenty of time for you to get over from Islington Green, you know, for a nice leisurely brunch, no doubt, beforehand. Look, Forest, it's an incredible result. And not only was it a good result, they were actually excellent against Liverpool and, you know, deserved pretty much what, what they got in terms of the three points. So I'm sure it gives them a huge amount of confidence. But forget even wanting to win a title. If we are to get in that top four, then this is... Absolutely, um, a game that, that we have got to, to go and win. I thought Forest were, were incredibly disciplined. They kept the pitch, um, you know, they kept basically their players all in the centre of the pitch. Let let teams have the ball out wide. So I, I think it'll be difficult. So I can actually see a really sort of narrow, sort of gritty one nil Arsenal win. But I think we'll come through. And Jim, um, I still think they're in such a sense, a sort of. A, a, a in such flux still they've signed so many players and they are getting better but I think I'm going to go for 2-0 Arsenal yeah I'm going to go I'll go 2-1 Arsenal as well 
Well, Jim, thank you very much for joining us at this late hour. Um, and good to see you back. Yeah, yeah no, thank you for having me. Thank you. And Josh, uh, thank you as ever. And um, we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.